Hello and welcome to the Turing Podcast, your new one-stop audio shop for all things data science, artificial intelligence and machine learning related from the Alan Turing Institute. This first episode was recorded a couple of months ago before we all had to spend so much time getting our heads around remote working and social distancing and, and actually significantly less air travel. So we thought it might be interesting to start with an episode that provides some fascinating insight into how things usually work in the skies. However, this was recorded before the current pandemic and we'll be releasing subsequent episodes in a slightly different order with the next one being a discussion on how data science is supporting COVID-19 efforts, not the AI arsenal mentioned at the end of the episode, which will eventually be released. Uh, We hope you enjoy this new podcast and of course we encourage you all to stay home and stay safe at this time. In the meantime, like, listen and subscribe on all your platforms. Let's get started, shall we? You're listening to The Turing Podcast, a production of the Alan Turing Institute, the UK's National Institute for Data Science and Artificial Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Turing Podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm here with Tarek. Hello there. And um, today we've got a fun episode for you. We're going to be talking about AI for air traffic control, a specifically project that's been worked on here at the Turing Institute uh, involving, um, yeah, AI to hopefully get more planes in the sky. Uh, But before that, um, we're going to have a quick um, uh, discussion of some of the uh, data science and AI topics we've seen in the media. Um, I'm going to kick off with um, an article I've seen in The Telegraph. The headline is, NHS experiment in AI will see a whole city offered virtual hospital appointments by diagnosis by chatbot. Um, the city in question is Wolverhampton. Um, and basically, everyone there is going to be given access to an app. Um, they can book GP appointments on this app, some of which will be offered remotely um, via the app. And a nice fi- uh, feature is that they'll the patients will be able to play back their GP consult- consultation so they can re-watch that video. Interesting. Um, so, so everyone's gonna um, be given access to to this application. Everyone in Wolverhampton, yeah. Interesting. Even even the folks without a smartphone, they're, they're, uh, they're well, going to be given an app. And, uh... <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. What? How do you define everyone in this case? Indeed. Um, so, there's basically there's a private company involved called Babylon who can mm-hmm. be working uh, in tandem with the NHS. Uh, and their big claim is that they're going to use their AI system to assess symptoms and offer diagnosis in some cases. Indeed. All right. Okay. So this this is quite an interesting one because does this mean the end of the uh, traditional GP? Everything is going <laughs> well, so, AI. Well, how, yeah, how, how good can these AI uh, chatbot doctors be? Mm. Um, I guess the, the proof is in the pudding. We'll, we'll see. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to seeing, to seeing that in action. Um, for myself, uh, Ed, I've got a, a fascinating story uh, released, or well, announced by Google um, the other day, actually, of their new chatbot, Mina. Uh, and apparently this, this new chatbot is working towards human-like uh, chatbot that can chat about anything. It's a bold claim. A bold claim, indeed. And, you know, uh, apparently Google's uh, Mina's model focuses on, on the understanding the context of a conversation uh, to provide a sensible reply. So whatever 
that yeah. sort of means. I don't so, feel like Alexa understands the context. No, no, indeed. Yeah, exactly. My, my conversation with her. <laughs> your, your, your long and fruitful convo is in, yeah. in the evening. But you're not getting the, <laughs> but, the replies but, you want. <laughs> but, but Mina will. Mina will, apparently. And, and the goal is to create something that can, yeah, chat about anything a user wants. For example, two conversations showed uh, that, you know, you can ask Mina for show recommendations and there can be meaningful replies as well as jokes and, and conversations like this. So, you know, it looks like we're, we're truly about to, to pass the, the Turing test. The Turing test, yeah. Yeah. Developed to test whether an AI truly, well, can convince a human Indeed. that it's a person. Yes, um, yeah. I'll exactly. tell you what, we'll have to get Mina on the podcast. Yes, yeah, we'll get we'll get Mina on it for see if she can pass for a realistic guess. Yes, yeah, exactly. And that'll be the proof. <laughs> All right, well um that's it for uh, today's media roundup. Uh next uh, the interview. Hello, we're here with Radka Yesakova. Uh, senior research data scientist here at the Turing. She's been here for a number of years working on various projects. Um, and we're going to talk to uh, today about a very interesting project called the NATS project. Uh, NATS is for the National Air Traffic uh, Services, I think. We'll Service. double check that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, I guess, uh, first of all, Raika, uh, what is the, the project? What's it all about? So NATS is in charge of air traffic control in almost the entire UK airspace. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're the guys sitting in front of a little screen, watching the planes fly across the UK, mm-hmm. uh, telling planes uh, where to fly higher, you know, change their heading to make sure that all the planes pass through the UK airspace safely. Right. So these are the guys up in the tower directing the planes. Exactly. Got you. Got you. Cool. Um, as you can imagine, um, you know, it's an incredibly complex and difficult task uh, and a very high stakes task. Mm-hmm. And the thing they're interested in is exploring whether there's space for algorithms to support the work of air traffic controllers mm-hmm. uh, and sort of help them uh, yes. in kind of the complex decision making that they have to do. Yes, because uh, it's a very day. stressful sort of job, right? It's supposed to be one of the most stressful jobs you can, yes. you can have. So I guess, yeah, for any sort of uh, thing that can assist the air traffic controllers that's that's what they want so i guess what was the um what was the hope for nats to sort of uh what what did they hope the deterring could uh, provide insight into well it's really um it's a research project so the question was as open as are there any algorithms which would right. help us in this space mm-hmm. which is very complex um you know as we sort of said you're making very complex decisions in real time, um, mm, mm. which is quite a hard problem to tackle for people and for machines. Yeah. So really, um, they just were interested to explore what are the possibilities, what is out there, and what are sort of the pros and cons of the different available approaches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of the idea was to do this exploration. Uh, the starting point was, well, let's take a simulator of air traffic control uh, starting with some very simple simulations and see if we can find algorithms that could handle very simple scenarios in a simulation yeah. and learn from that what the available approaches or even sort of cutting-edge approaches can do and can't do. Indeed. So, yeah, and this simulator that you you mentioned, this was an open-source simulator, right, Blue Sky. Yeah. Um, so is this a simulator that the NATS guys use themselves or have they got their own simulator sort of in-house that they're they're using for, for training this, these kind of things? Yeah, so um, so they have training simulators that they use for training humans. 
um, but kind of the way these are built, we can work with them in the way that we need to. Uh, so, so that's why we chose this open source simulator, which, mm-hmm. which really just simulates uh, air traffic control. Kind of the purpose of this blue sky simulator isn't to train people in doing uh, air traffic control. It is yet to kind of simulate real life uh, air traffic scenarios. Can Indeed. I just throw in a mm. tangent question? Yeah, what, what's, uh, what do you mean by open source in this context? What? Ah, right. Oh, okay. I'll, t- I'll take the floor on that one. So, yeah. So, Blue Skies is, yeah, an open source simulator. And what this is, is that the, the source code for this simulator is completely available. Now, it's also um, open source in another, shall we say, frame in that uh, it openly accepts contributions to the source as well. So, you know, things that you might see could be a, a useful benefit to the to the package or, you know, things that might identify as an issue, you can contribute and hopefully improve this simulator. So any um, software developer can come along yeah, anyone and can just have a go at making it better. Exactly, exactly. And so I believe, yeah, this was the sort of uh, the simulator that you guys started with, right? So um, you wanted to have something that you could easily sort of mold to to your liking and easily build upon um but yes. yeah i'm very aware that yeah nats have their own sort of uh sort of simulators that are i guess a lot more sort of uh um i don't know uh technical they've got a lot of their in-house sort of um things going on where they can attach their own sort of metrics and things like that because i know that was something that we we discussed quite a lot in in how when you're trying to figure out what kind of algorithms to use deciding what metrics you evaluate them against is very important. So can you tell us a bit about uh, what kind of metrics that that we've sort of like looked into? So before answering that question, I'll just take a step back. Um, I think at this point, it's worth pointing out that what we found with this project, which is true with a lot of projects, is that, um, you know, often a starting point, and we like the big part of project, is defining what actually it is that you're doing. Yes. You know, actually, so we find... Yes, there is a simulator of air traffic control uh, that we can use. But yeah, what is it? A realistic air traffic scenario mm. that isn't necessarily mm. obvious, you know. Yeah, in the yeah. same kind of, how do you measure performance uh, of air traffic controller? And actually, um, when you kind of look at how air traffic controllers, it's making sure the planes don't crash, right? I mean, that's. The main I mean, idea. That, that, that is the starting point, yeah. and, and definitely, that's uh, yes. <laughs> That is the main objective. Uh, but actually, so Nats helped to uh, identify sort of metrics for air traffic control where, yes, um, so kind of safety, uh, they call it loss of separation. So making sure that planes never get too close to each other, you know, and, uh, you know, there's kind of defined senses uh, they're ever sort of allowed to, um, uh, yeah, how, how close they're allowed how, to, how to get. How close is too close? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's. They have a defined distance. Yes, yeah, there's a defined vertical and a horizontal yeah. distance. Um, so you know, and whenever planes get, and, and even that distance is you know defined to be very broad. You know, so, so kind of if two planes breach that distance, they're still quite far away from each other. But if that ever happens, they would have to report it. You know, so kind of planes never get into that region at all. Um, but there's. There's, there's a lot of complexity on top of that. So you want to make sure planes don't get too close to each other, but you also want to allow planes to kind of, um, you don't want to send them too many commands because that's quite annoying for the pilots. Uh, you want the flight to be fuel efficient. So, so that can mean if you at high altitude, you need to descend, to descend as late as possible. So there's all, you know, you want the flight to be as smooth as possible uh, and, and, and as much as possible keep planes on their kind of existing path. So there's all these other criteria Um 
that ideally you want to be optimizing for as well as this main objective, which is uh, ensuring safety. And um, I can imagine that they're, they're trying to, you know, make the route as efficient as possible and optimize, exactly. but within those decided safety bounds. Exactly. And then the next, so that's kind of the starting point. Uh, and I think if you train as an air traffic controller, you know, you might first just care about safety and kind of as you progress through training, you start caring for these other objectives. Eventually you want to get to a point where not only do planes never get close to each other, but in the sector you're kind of controlling, there's never potential for two planes to get that close. So, so kind of the way, like good air traffic control means that if something, you know, if I'm an air traffic controller and something should happen to me right now, the kind of state of planes in my region is such that the, the path that they're on wouldn't allow them to get close to each other. You know, it's, so, 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 so it's not even like, are they too close to each other now? Mm-hmm. It's really, if you look at their paths, they would never get to that distance within each other yeah. in an hour's time. Have you had a go at um, uh, playing with the simulator yourself as a trainee air traffic controller? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Put yourself in their shoes so... before you try and automate their jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had the, I had the chance, but didn't yourself or, or perhaps yeah. uh, Tim, another member on the on the project, they got to have a go? Yeah, so we went to visit Nats uh, and they showed us a training simulator and one of our colleagues got to sort of try out a training scenario. Uh, and, and it was you amazing. You didn't get to have a go? Huh? You didn't get to have a go. I found it too intimidating. <laughs> um, and, and there's really, I mean, there's so much to, to keep track of because because mm. the other thing is um, not only, you know, is making sure the planes aren't too close to each other, all the planes have a place they want to get to. So, 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 so you're trying to, which might mean they want to change altitude, they want to change direction. So you also have to keep track of where they are and whether they're kind of, you're allowing them to head to where they eventually want to exit. From your sector, for example, um, so, so you're constantly scanning the planes, you know, and, and there's more and more incoming, and you're kind of making sure. I mean, there's just so much to keep track of. Yeah, the key thing here sounds like the the instructions are coming in both directions, right? They're coming from the planes and they're going to the planes from the air traffic controllers. Yes, and actually, it's it's not even that they're coming from the planes, but you do have uh, each plane's route kind of in front of you. So, so, so if you sort of sit down and in, um, in front of a screen, you have information on kind of each flight's plan. So you, kind of, you know where they want to get to. And, and so ideally, uh, you're letting them follow that plan, uh, pick up interacting them as little as possible uh, to ensure safety. So yeah, there's a lot going on. There's mm-hmm. a lot of complexity. Um, and so kind of going back to your early question, um, you know, when you still want to do research in this domain, there's a lot of questions around, yeah, how do you evaluate performance? What does it mean? There's a lot of things you want to capture, but even what is a good training scenario? You know, so you asked me, have I played around with a simulator? Uh, I mean, it's really easy to start up a simulator and just create a few planes ahead and fly around. But actually, there's again a lot of complexities of creating scenarios that are interesting. You know, there's actually something to solve in a real world sense. Does that make sense? It's difficult to simulate the realistic scenarios. Yes, because you actually need to understand what real-life air traffic control looks like. Because what a simulator allows you to do, the simulator allows you to sort of say, I want five planes, you know, flying west to east at these altitudes, you know, uh, at at these latitudes, whatever. Uh, But but it's a big jump from there to this is what real-life air traffic control looks like. You know, usually there's this many planes in this region kind of at this distance from each other, you know, and and there's a lot of different types of conflicts you might want to solve. So, so again, kind of, you have. Can to they not bring in some of that real information from the real air traffic controller situations, just to train the simulator or, or train the, you know, air traffic controller, you know, 
people who are learning to be air traffic controllers. Yeah, so yeah. I think this is what they do with when they're training the actual sort of the ATCOs, the air traffic controllers, when they're going through their college. Um, and they'll get these sort of realistic scenarios. Now, the thing is, um, it's when it sort of comes to trying to sort of solve this um, in a research setting, it's like, how do you model that in it sort of the simulator itself? So, so it's um, worth saying that, yeah. yes. So the at the moment, when people are trained on these scenarios, they're trained on scenarios created by humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, so you have already trained air traffic controllers, which can, so using their knowledge, create real-life scenarios of different levels of complexity that capture specific types of conflicts that they want people to uh, solve. But there's only really few of those scenarios that exist. And ideally, um, we only ever want to use those scenarios for like our testing. You know, If you ever have an algorithm which sort of tries to do this, we want to test them against those scenarios. Uh, for for machine learning, you know, the kind of, sort of task we're looking at where you want to train an algorithm... Ideally, you need a lot of scenarios to train on, uh, which you can't really create by hand. So, so then um, the thing, which again is it's, it's the kind of things that doesn't become obvious when you start a project, but you kind of realize actually, as Tarek mentioned, we need to maybe first off create a model of what is an air traffic uh, scenario to maybe try to create a script which could automatically create a certain type of scenarios with a certain type of conflict, and that in itself is actually quite a complex thing to do, uh, and actually. Um, there's there is a couple of papers which came out recently which tried to look at this you know air traffic control uh, using this uh, so using machine learning for air traffic control using this open source blue sky simulator. Uh, but what we find if you look at it is that um, they don't do a good job of def- defining the kind of scenarios they're working with or the kind of metrics they're looking with. Um, so 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 it's really quite a complex thing to do. And one of the really interesting things about a project, and I think. This is where the Turing really, um, for me, is an interesting place to be, is because, you know, we work on a very research question with the industry. You know, so kind of we get to do this exploratory research work, but with insight from people who actually know what it looks like in the real life. Right. And that's just a really invaluable thing. They can come back to you and say, that's not a realistic scenario. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Or they can, help, they can help by telling us what it is uh, you know, that they're trying to capture in their training scenarios. You know, what is the kind of, uh, yeah, how do they evaluate people and so on? And that is invaluable. Indeed, which is exactly what happened, isn't it? Like mm. uh, they came by and sort of, you know, we sort of pitched some ideas for certain scenarios um, and they sort of were able to sort of guide us to say, well, that's not ne- necessarily realistic. This is probably what would happen. Um, and yeah, getting that sort of domain knowledge guidance really sort of helped us uh, sort of, get to the point where we can then maybe generate some of these interesting scenarios that we can then use for for machine learning yes Um, but just to sort of touch on that um you know we were saying we wanted to sort of develop algorithms and try and use sort of machine learning to to sort of like handle this problem can you talk about the types of machine learning that that has been investigated in this in this project you mean in the past or Uh, well i guess yeah you can touch on sort of uh, approaches that happened before but i know for this one specifically wanted to look at sort of reinforcement learning um so yeah i'd be interested to hear a bit more about that yes i think that's really one of the big breakthroughs that's made this topic interesting Mm. is uh advances in machine learning and methods like reinforcement learning because before i think that there have been a few attempts to sort of try algorithmic approaches in this space and usually people have looked at things like optimization algorithms you know so kind of trying to um find optimal paths uh kind of uh, numerically 
for reinforcement learning the remind me guys the this this is the kind of techniques that you know google are using to to so train game ago yeah alpha go indeed. and yeah, the yeah, ultimate yeah. chess programs so this is a similar kind of approach you use for yeah solving the problem of getting as many planes into the sky as possible safe safely before people were constrained by looking at optimization algorithms where you maybe already have to have quite a good model of what it is you want to achieve and and the uh of advanced reinforcement learning is that um how would you say um does the goal not have to be quite so explicitly stated? So, so I would say the goal has to be explicit, but maybe you yeah. kind of need a bit less of an idea of what's the best way to get there first. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, it, it's um, the idea of reinforcement learning is that you have some generic algorithm which learns from experience uh, and kind of really the internals of the algorithm focus on how, you know, as it, as it accumulates experience, what it does with that experience. Uh, so, so, so kind of the, Prototypical example are games, and you know, uh, and the idea that if you want to learn chess, you you play chess, and you um, you know through winning and losing, you slowly learn what best moves are. Uh, but obviously, kind of having to have a concept of strategies beforehand, you kind of you discover them through exploring the game or the environment. Um, and well, hold on. There's a there's an ugly here because I'm thinking like the way that those algorithms would learn to play chess is by losing, whereas air traffic right. control you can't lose. Right. right. Well, well, thank God we got a simulator. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. So of that's course, where yeah. we sort of say you, you can there. kill simulated passengers, just yes. not real yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, right. just not. Right. Okay. Yeah, as long as it's not real ones, indeed. I mean, and that, I think that, like, the, whole point. the way it sort of sits in here is that um, you know games where you want to maximize your reward. Here, the reward is: can you eff- get planes to their destination efficiently? And safely. And if you can maximize that, then you're sort of, you're training a good algorithm. And I think that's where reinforcement learning really was suitable for this, this sort of problem. But I do know it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely a, a massive task. And, you know, even though we've, you know, we've made massive sort of advances with machine learning approaches to this problem, but I'm very aware, like it's, it's a, a long journey. I know, I know the collaboration with Nats is going to be going to be a long one. Um, so, but do you see sort of in the future that uh, machines will sort of take over in this regard? Or do you see that they're, because I know right now their primary focus is to have this as a tool and a, a tool to assist the ACOs. But do you think one day that the, uh, yeah, the AI will take over? So genuinely, we're <laughs> nowhere close. Nowhere close, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's a long way to yeah. anything like that. Because mm-hmm. again, you really can't underestimate just how complex a task it is. Um, and so, and especially with approaches like reinforcement learning, things like how do you measure performance are extremely important. And I think the one thing we noticed, for example, from talking to Nats is that at the moment, there's also a lot of heuristics in terms of how atcos are judged on their performance. You know, so, 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 and once you try to... How to build that into a software system. Exactly. Or you just try hard to turn that into a metric function, you know, that gives you one score. There's just a lot of intuition in the field that doesn't translate into a specific number. You know, how do you combine, yeah, safety with fuel efficiency. And the algorithms that exist are very uh, sensitive to that. Uh, and really kind of at this point, you know, we're talking about exploring very simple types of problems. Like there's just, there's a lot of complexity in terms of the yeah types of scenarios you might encounter and how, how you train those algorithms, how you evaluate them. Um, so, 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 I, so I think there's a lot of problems to be solved even just in posing the right questions and defining the problem in a suitable way that I don't think have really been cracked. Yeah. Have any of the approaches tried so far? Do, you know, do they look promising? Are they 
getting some good results? Well, again, it's, you know, there's only been a few and kind of the impression is that the scenarios they're looking at aren't really what our traffic controls encounter. You know, it, it's sort of they aren't really necessarily even solving the right kind of problem. Uh, you know, it's a very simple scenario that isn't at all realistic or kind of isn't really capturing the kind of decisions ATCOs have to make. Is that the next stage to sort of um, build up the more realistic scenarios so that future um, AI models can can have a better go at uh, the real task? So so that's what I believe in. Like, And I think it's true for... Um, I think it gets quite underestimated how important it is to kind of create a good problem set. You know, um, like I think the areas where we've seen the most advance in machine learning is image recognition. And the reason for that is because someone first built a massive data set that was labeled, you know, with images and set up a very clear evaluation metric. That kind of people would sort of allow people to sort of try the algorithms uh, and evaluate the algorithms on. You know, and suddenly you sort of start seeing really big improvements in performance. Uh, and I think, especially with complex problems like this, um, yeah, it's going to take a while to get to a point where you have a sort of well-defined task you want researchers to try to tackle. But I, I think that's one of the outputs of this project. So we're trying to move towards that. Yeah, so I, I guess if you're working in image recognition, these data sets are available online. There's loads of them. There's loads of options. But if I'm not wrong, part of the the platform you develop for your project should hopefully enable uh, outsiders to develop their own AI models to yes. tackle this chart. Is, is that right? Yes. So this goes back to that idea of open source. So everything we're building for this project is open source. Uh, and the idea is exactly that, that we help to build a platform that should make it easy for people to try algorithms on, you know, realistic scenarios in an air traffic simulator and have to build an infrastructure that enables that, gives them a set of metrics to evaluate against, um, you know, and kind of get people start thinking about tackling this problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that would be the, sort of like the the future of the, the project sort of going forward is to open this up to sort of the wider community and sort of get as much sort of collaboration as, as possible. I feel like the Turing has done a great job of in developing the infrastructure to sort of make this sort of uh, possible. And now it's sort of, uh, sort of now it's set, up to the, yeah, the wider world exactly it's, it's up, it's to, up the to the wider world to uh to tackle this and and hopefully come up with interesting uh ways to tackle this problem is there is there a resource online that um budding software developers can go to to uh <laughs> indeed well so everything is uh under sort of the framework of the uh alan turing github uh under a seymour the seymour project um that'll be in the show that? notes uh <laughs> yeah it's uh we'll put it in the show notes. exactly yeah good on you <laughs> um, but if you go to the alan turing institute uh website and search for nats you'll come up with more information on indeed this project. yes yes you can read it is worth noting it's not quite complete yet <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. in progress yes it's very much in progress but the hope is very much that uh we make it very easy for people to try uh tackle this problem with machine learning reinforcement learning uh and for me that's the exciting thing, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully kind of in next year, we'll see a lot of people try different approaches in this space using this platform. Uh, and that'd be really, really cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks all very right. much, Radka. Yes. Thanks Thank for joining so us on much. the podcast and telling us all about this awesome project. All right. I hope you had a good time. <laughs> yeah, a very good time. Thank you, guys. Cool. Thanks again to Radka for joining us today. Um, join us next time where we'll be discussing AI for fantasy football. To learn more about the work going on at the Alan Turing Institute, visit our website at turing.ac.uk. 
To get in touch with the podcast team, if you have any questions or suggestions, email us at podcast at turing.ac.uk. Music for this episode was provided by Jamin Sun. You can listen to his latest releases at jaminsun.bandcamp.com. The Turing Podcast is hosted by Ed Calstree, Tarek Allen, Ben Walden, Effie Dennis, and produced by Dan Whitfield for the Alan Turing Institute. Thank you.